this running and these experiences, then you're realizing like my body is strong. It belongs to me. This pain has a purpose. This pain is giving when every other pain I've ever felt was taking from me. Hey, everybody, I'm Tony Mana, And I'm Kiara Motley. And you're listening to Good Pain. So uh, for today's show, we have a really interesting guest and, and an inspiring guest in some ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, her, name is, uh, her name is Bregan. And um, she came to the world of, of BDSM in uh, a little bit of a unique way. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll tough say way. That. Yeah, tough way. So Bregan's had some, uh, some pretty serious trauma in her past, in her childhood. And BDSM and kink is one of the ways in which she's processed that pain, but she also long distance ultra marathon runs Mm -hmm. and is a writer. So she's found a lot of different avenues to explore and digest what's happened in her life. Yeah. And, 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 and from, from talking to her, it it sounds like she's really made some great progress in, in processing all of this. And, and it, and again, I, I, it's really admirable. Um, and, you know, you'll hear all about it. But her, her, you know, when we talk about she's a runner, we're not talking about, you know, <laughs> she's got to run down to Kroger to pick up a can of peas. This is. I mean, I alt- thought a, mar- yeah. a half marathon was terrifying, but this yes. is a whole different level. Yeah. She, we're, yeah. She, she, she signed up for that big thing where she's going to try to run 100 miles. And it wouldn't be her first time. Um, I'm sorry. She did run 100 miles in 48 hours right. on her treadmill. Yes. Which is think is, about that, folks. Yeah. Think about your body. Please, I, I'm thinking about it now and 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 pissing myself. And it wasn't. It was less than 48 hours, right? Oh, wasn't well, it like yeah, 40 hours, 36, 36. You'll find out in the yeah. podcast. Yeah, yeah, you'll find, stay tuned, folks. You'll find out. Uh, but yeah, I really, I really enjoy talking to Bregan, and, and um, I know, enjoyed she, it, and I respect her so much. I mean, uh, very much. I really thank her for this interview. I think Very much. I think the way she is open and honest oh, about yes. everything that she's been through is a huge gift to us yes. and to anyone who hears her story. Absolutely, and 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 it, it is it is that openness that I think I appreciated the most. She she really is trying to remove any shame or stigma mm. from having been a victim of trauma, and and it's it's admirable. So. Uh, in this episode, Bregan uh, is very open and very frank about. What has happened to her, mm-hmm. uh, which, uh, again, you know, I admire so much. But uh, in her openness, she's also, uh, you know, she she describes in in graphic detail, uh, you know, episodes of sexual violence and other uh, emotional and physical abuse. Uh, so if that's something uh, that uh, you'd be uncomfortable to listen to, I think it's totally fine to skip this episode. Yeah, just take a break for this one. Yeah. And if you do need support because you do listen to it or just because you need support, please, please go to the National Center on Domestic and Sexual Violence. They have a website, ncdsv.org, or you can call their 24-hour hotline, 1-800-656-HOPE. Fabulous. And without further ado, Bregan. Bregan. How are you today? How are you feeling? I feel great. I'm really excited to have a conversation about this stuff and to mm-hmm. be able to be candid about these taboo subjects, because I think there's there's so much power in you know, ending this stigma of shame where we don't have a safe space to talk about trauma and sexual violence. So we just have to like carry it all by ourselves. So I think there's something so powerful 
in in opening those doors and creating that safe space so we don't have to carry it all by ourselves and feel like we have to hide from it. Yeah, Brigan, you had said to me, you know, previously in our conversation, which I'm just rephrasing what you said, but, sure. but caring dark care that it's about caring darkness that you don't understand. And I, that resonated with me because Tony and I are on this quest to understand BDSM and kink. And within that, obviously, pain and pain as pleasure. But then there is the antithesis of that, which is real, violent, terrifying pain. So I think, you know, yeah, we all carry darkness that we don't understand. And then inherent in this podcast is just trying to look at things that often are shoved into dark corners and understand it better. Absolutely. It just perpetuates this culture of shame, which is so unhealthy to victims. I think it it empowers the people that perp you know, the perpetrators of sexual violence, it gives them power by making us want to hide from it and not feeling comfortable to be open about it. So I think that it's really powerful when you can say, yes, this happened to me and I want to talk about it. I want to shine a light on that darkness. I want to understand it, see how it colors my actions in my my present life. Yeah. And, you know, I think maybe we should zoom out for our listeners for a moment and talk a bit about where you're coming from in terms of your background and also then, you know, your intro into BDSM and kink and of course your passion for running, which actually ties into all of that as well, because you are really a special guest for us in that we're sort of branching away from doms and into something a bit different and more complicated. So if you don't mind Sort yeah. of giving us a bit of a, a portrait, that would be wonderful. Absolutely. So in terms of how I found like BDSM, I mean, I think I, in terms of realizing my enjoyment of it, I think I started younger than most because I was an early teen having relationships with adult men. Um, you know, I was 12, 13, 14, and these guys were like 30. And so it's really confusing for me because I liked being dominated. That was obvious to me, but not by these men that were, you know, clearly monsters. They were taking advantage of me, abusing me. Um, So it it made it so much harder to heal from that trauma because a part of me welcomed it. You know, it Mm. it made it feel like I asked for it, but you Mm. can't ask for it when you're 12 or 13. When you're a child, of course. Yeah, you can't ask Mm -hmm. for it. So it it made it so much harder because I I had to think like do I do I like this is am I asking for this is this what I want but no um it took me so long to to understand and accept that what happened to me was indeed rape because you can't consent at that age right so it wasn't until I was older and with people my age and I was actually an adult exploring these uh, relationships to find that, yes, I do like it. And it doesn't actually stem from the trauma. Like I already mm. knew that I liked it. I, I know my mom likes that she met her, her now husband on a BDSM website. Oh, wow. Yeah. And Wait. I found that by accident. <laughs> <laughs> on a BDSM website, as in people connecting who like it to meet as couples or just yes. to meet to explore yeah. BDSM? Yeah. Or so both? it's like a BDSM dating website. It doesn't exist anymore, but it was called collarme.com. And so they met on that website and they've been together for over 10 years. They're married now. And he's um, he's my stepdad and he's a much better father to me than my own father was. So there's 
maybe there's a genetic aspect to to liking <laughs> it. But but yeah, it, I I would have liked it either way. So for me, it's not totally about just healing from trauma. It didn't stem from trauma. Well, I mean, okay. I knew this was going to happen, which is I have 16,000 questions going in 16,000 <laughs> different directions. But sure. just to circle back briefly to your mom and your stepdad, they met through this. Obviously, they're open about that and they're open about... Well, not 100%. Well, well to you, like, to you, they've told you about it. I, I discovered it because I was using her laptop when I was like 17 and I, I, <laughs> I discovered that because she left it open and then she got a tattoo which was a symbol. Um, it's kind of like three circles. It's like a trim, a symbol that you're um, a sub that is owned by a dom. And none of us oh. in my family recognized it, but my sister was dating some guy that was like, do you guys know what that is? And we're like, no. Wow. And then he told us and we're like, oh shit. So <laughs> there's a, so maybe there is a genetic component. I would have liked it either way. I think so. Mm, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I was curious yeah. As you discovered in your adulthood that you were interested in BDSM and kink and being and being dominated, correct? Yes. How did you piece that together for yourself given the past trauma, right? Was that a journey for you? Were you sort of Yeah, definitely. A, able to, um, yeah. Because I think it's so it's so different. It's empowering to to relinquish control when you have like full trust and love. Like I would never have any kind of BDSM relationship with a stranger. Like it has to be somebody that I know and I love and I trust and I feel completely comfortable saying no. So when you have that full aspect of consent, it is really empowering. It does overwrite that trauma. And sometimes I'm hesitant to bring up my past or my traumas with my sexual partners, even if there's somebody that I love, because I don't want them to think while they're doing things to me that they're hurting me or that mm -hmm. this is, you know, that I'm reliving any kind yeah, of triggering trauma. you. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's not like, I think I compartmentalize the same way that like a gynecologist compartmentalizes <laughs> if he's going down on a woman versus <laughs> giving a pap smear, you know? Oh my God. Why have I never <laughs> thought good. of that? That's yeah, insane. Like, no gynecologist. Well, Barring wow. the few, you know, criminals Creeps. out there, yeah. um, right. <laughs> they yes. they don't think about that when you're looking at that, you know. Mm -hmm. So your mind is able to separate pleasure from those other things. Yeah, I think, Tony, I don't know how you feel, but consent is something that obviously we talk about a lot, like in our world, you know, about yeah. sex and consent. But in the BDSM world, it's just not something that I had thought about. And now just having talked to the few people that we have, it is so synonymous to me with oh yeah with the work, which is incredible. And just that survivors of sexual assault could then have a very consensual relationship where there's trust and care. I mean, I don't know, Brigan, if you've ever seen a professional dom or if you just do it in your personal life, I'd love to know. But, you know, just having the conversations about consent and what you want and what you don't want and then the actual scene and then the aftercare i mean that in and of itself feels like it could be a really healing absolutely because there's there's love there's trust there's full confidence in saying no because i think so much of of my sexual experiences it's like i mean i kind of consented you know but it's because i didn't feel comfortable saying no right. so that yeah. isn't consent if you don't feel safe to say no, that's not consent, but it just kind of perpetuates this, this, 
this culture of shame where we where we're ashamed because we might have asked for it or we didn't fight hard enough. And mm-hmm. um, and that's ridiculous because we're just we're not if you don't feel safe to say no, then it's not consent. And it took me a long time to realize that and feel confident in saying that. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, of course, you know, when when we say it like that, it sounds so logical and so easy. But I, <laughs> it is, you know, when you're in that situation, I'm sure the, la- the last thing it seems is logical and easy. And, uh, you know, I think I think it's a disservice to say otherwise, as you've been saying. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Pivoting from that for a moment, in 2020, you started long distance running. I did. What drew you to that? And, and how does it connect to this exploration for you of pain? Sure. I think um, what initially led me to that was, well, first of all, I started running because I was getting a job at a prison, at a men's prison. Um, so I, I needed to run to pass the fitness test. Um, and oh. I, yeah, I just kind of discovered it by accident. Like I was like, I got to run to pass this test. And then I realized that I really liked it and I don't do anything just a little bit, you know, Ah. like there's, I have a very extreme personality. It's all or nothing. So just kind of threw myself into it. And then I'm not even sure how I discovered what ultra marathons were these distances greater than a marathon. Other than when I did, I was like, I want to do that. And, um, for me, just like the training and the going out there every day and having these experiences like in the mountains, like living in Washington, we have so many mm. beautiful trails. It Stunning. was Yeah. Yeah, absolutely beautiful. So just like taking ownership of my body, like my body, especially, and we'll, we'll talk about this more. Like I, I suffer from chronic pain. I've been in pain 24 mm. seven, my entire life. It's chronic headaches that have been with me always. It's always there. And Jeez. so these like experiences of sexual violence and, and chronic pain always made my body feel like a prison. Like it wasn't mine because it belonged to the pain. It belonged to the men that thought that I belonged to them. So this running and these experiences and you're in a beautiful setting, but also you're working hard and you're realizing like my body is strong. It belongs to me like this, this pain has a purpose. This pain is giving when every other pain I've ever felt was taking from me. It took mm-hmm. from me, but this pain gives me these moments of serendipity, these, these beautiful moments where you're running on a ridge line and you forget that you're in pain. And mm-hmm. it's kind of like just carving out all those pieces of your soul that have been tar- tarnished by trauma. Um, and you just yeah. feel clean. So, and that's addicting. So in the running, would you say you forget about the chronic headaches? Not all the time. Um, You know, I've always kind of used this metaphor where it's like my pain is a bubble and my consciousness lives inside that bubble. So I can't break out of it. And I've done so a few times on drugs, but there's been a few occasions where just by running, just running somewhere beautiful, like in the North Cascades, where I'm like outside of that bubble and it's there, but it's not like controlling me. Um, So, I mean, in terms of like the everyday, there's lots of days where I'm like, my head hurts particularly bad today. I don't want to run. But in terms of like the long, the long term is just like realizing the strength of my body, that it does belong to me and that pain can be giving. It, 
it can you can have good pain. You can have right? good pain. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, you, you've kind of been alluding to it, but then I'm I'm I, maybe if you could put some more words to it. This this connection. <laughs> it just seems like a big through line of, uh, you know, how 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 are your running and the ultra marathons that you do sort of connected via through line to the kink and BDSM you practice in your personal life. I mean, they, they, it sounds like they may give you the same feeling, the same. Sure. Like that. I mean, it's all kind of chasing like that dopamine, right? Especially Mm -hmm. as like I have ADHD. So like my dopamine receptors are all fucked up. So I'm, I'm always going to be chasing that dopamine. And so you just, you chase things that feel good and the running, um, the accomplishment feels good and, and sexually like that, that feels good. It feels good to, uh, have somebody else take control in a way that's loving and trusting. And do you care, Brigan, if we, if we drill down and ask a bit, because, you know, Tony and I, of course, the the little vanilla beans coming in, but but (laughs) what per... (laughs) <laughs> but what in your personal life do you like in terms of BDSM? Like, do you practice, you know, flogging or is it more tying up or is it? Oh, know- definitely. Like they call it a rope bunny. That's definitely it. Um, that would be New like my top us. kink. Yeah, yeah. Rope bunny. Um, that's, that's the thing that I like the most. Um, what is a rope bunny? It's just, I like to be tied up. Um, yeah. and I like, I like when a man confidently takes control. So like confidence is really important. So if, if the guy's like second guessing himself, like that's no longer hot. Yeah. Um, I think it's maybe cause in the rest of my life, I'm a control freak. You know, they always talk about how CEOs like to go. This to is a common theme. This is yeah. a common theme. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Control freaks like this space where they can relinquish um, control to somebody else that they love and trust. And I think that, that that's a big part of it is just kind of being this, you know, controlling dominant person and everything outside of the bedroom. Um, but I think there's also parts of it that we just can't explain. Like, why is that the thing that turns me on the most? I don't know. Um, and there are, are things like, like choking, for example, like I, if you had asked me, are you super into choking? I would have been like, meh, not really. I've had horrible experiences with it that were traumatic. Um, but one of my, partners um that he did it to me and he did it confidently um and and very sexily that I liked it so it doesn't matter what it is specifically it's more about like this guy is controlling the situation and he's taking what he wants from me so I like giving in that scenario I like giving to somebody that I love and trust and as long as they're taking it with confidence and and love and respect, then mm. it's enjoyable for both of us. Like, I don't like humiliation. I don't want to be shamed. Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't want to be led around on a leash or or anything like that. So it's still um, pain and humiliation. No, not really. It's really about like control. So I think it's mostly like psychological in terms of why we want to give up that control. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. so interesting. I mean, it is such a brain to body connection, which yeah. again, we're just going to circle back around to running. I mean, just again, for people who don't know, because I certainly didn't, an ultra marathon means you run approximately how many miles? Because that's also a mind body connection. Sure. Yeah. It's farther than a marathon and a marathon is 26.2 miles. So typically it's, it's 50 kilometers or more, which is 31 miles. I've, I've run, I mean, last year alone, I ran 15 ultra marathons because I just, 
you just dive right in, right? And you're like, I'm just going <laughs> to keep do. going. And yeah. So, yeah, it's, nothing is gray. It's all black and white, right? But um, even though well, the actual world, that's not true. Right, yeah. Well, And can you please blow Tony's mind and tell him about your 48-hour challenge? <laughs> yeah, so I... Because I, I wanted to run 100 miles. I wanted to be a 100-mile finisher. And uh, I attempted in September, and I failed. So I tried a really, really hard race. Um, and then in December, there was this treadmill challenge where you could run 100 miles on your treadmill, but you have 48 hours to do it. And a lot of races have, like, 30, 36-hour cutoffs. So you have to, like, really be moving. But I thought, you know, 48 hours. That is one that I can finish. Like, this is my chance to actually be a 100-mile finisher. So I did it all on my treadmill, uh-huh. 100 miles. Um, oh, Lord. It took me 39 hours total, but I was only on the treadmill for, like, 31 hours. Um, wow. And it was truly terrible. <laughs> it was very painful. It's <laughs> as bad imagine. as it sounds. Um, and, yeah, there was parts where it's like, this is, this is self-harm, you know? Like, I'm just going... I'm in agony and I'm not stopping. And like, why am I doing this? But we quickly forget. And I, the next day I was like, I'm not going to run another hundred miler. And then I'm signing up for another one two weeks later. Gosh, I want to know. Yeah. So what, what does that feel like? Right. You say that it feels like self-harm that you're in agony, but like physically, what is that? Because I can't, I'm like closing my eyes right now, trying to put myself in your position and think about like when your, your entire body is going, wow. I I want to break down and yet something mentally helps you lean into it. Sure. Um, I think it's interesting because when I tried a hundred miles the first time I was in kind of like a really positive mindset. I was really happy. So the thought of torturing myself was like, I'm not, I'm not trying to do that. I suffer my whole life and I'm in a good place. I don't want to suffer that way. But in December, you know, maybe it's the winter blues and, and I was, you know, legally separating from my husband, which had been, you know, abusive at times in that marriage. And so I was just kind of in a low point. So it almost felt like there was a part of me that's like, yeah, like I kind of like deserve this. I kind of like I I need to clean myself by going through this really hard thing and coming out on the other side more cleaner. Uh, but physically, like I just I had my toes were covered in blisters by 10 miles, which is not normal for me. Oh. And then just like my knee was swollen, like my your hips are I, I physically could not run because I was in so much pain. So it's just like slowly walking. I mean, I probably walked 70 miles out of that hundred because I just literally could not pick my feet up because it's just, just full on pain. There was a time where I did not feel my headache. Like I could not feel them because my Mm -hmm. legs were in such pain, like my knees and my hips and my feet were in such pain. I'm like, I can't even feel my headache, but like, this is worse. Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) I've reached a new level. Yeah. yeah, Like I don't like the trade-off and I was just kind of laughing at how absurd it was. Oh my God. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. I mean, I, I, I got winded this morning coming here and it was four miles (laughs) and I drove ladies and gentlemen. I just want to make that clear. I mean, traffic can be exhausting. (laughs) Clearly our situations are the same. Kiara. Tony. You know who I like? Who do you like? I like Kate Sloan, our guest oh, from a couple Kate of weeks ago. Kate Sloan. Yes, yes, episode 11, Sex Nerd. Sex Nerd. Uh, she is a delight. I love talking mm-hmm. to her. And yep. 
Uh, I'd love to take a moment to plug her podcast again, The Dildorks. The Dildorks, yes, a podcast where sex bloggers and mm-hmm. best friends, Kate, who we met, and yes. her friend Bex, they mm-hmm. talk about all things sex, dating, and masturbating. Yes, I, some some of us are better at the latter than the former. But anyways, mm-hmm. uh, yes, it's it's an absolutely great podcast. If you're not listening to it, I don't know what to tell you because you're making terrible choices, clearly. But yeah, you need to add this podcast it. to your life. The Dildorks, it's released uh, on Tuesdays, I believe, wherever you Every get Tuesday. your podcasts. Every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts, go listen to it. Do yourselves a favor. And just and just and, li- and live your lives, damn it. Yeah, live your life and learn some things. Yes, the Dildorks every Tuesday wherever you get your podcasts. I, I'm still fascinated by uh, that that accomplishment. How does how do you prep for that? How do how do you? How I mean, I've been running a lot of miles, a lot of races. You just you really have to get your body used to like eating on the go, um, mm-hmm. which can be really hard. Anytime I run through the night, like I'm puking. Um, yeah. there's, I'm always drinking whiskey, you know, <laughs> like there, whiskey is a central part to my races, you know, I cause see. it's either, it's either going to make me puke and like give me a hit reset mm-hmm. and, what? or it's going to make me feel better. And it's no. for some reason it's fireball whiskey, which is like, I know it's oh. awful. Like I'm not advocating <laughs> that it's blown, great, right but like for some reason, fireball whiskey at races is just the thing it to does do it for you that's it i always wonder it. what was in those little paper cups now i know not yeah for real good, I, good that's what know. i'm doing i'm pouring it in <laughs> there amino acids that's, yeah yeah exactly because once you get to a certain point of pain you're just like this is gonna numb it a little or it's gonna take away my nausea by making me projectile vomit into the bushes over there <laughs> but this is the thing that fascinates me right because like all right in the last 20 minutes we've just talked about a bunch of different versions of pain right like sexual trauma running good sexual encounters with pain how do you distinguish between good and bad pain you personally and i'm sort of as i ask you that thinking if i even know the answer for myself i don't think i do sure it's kind of like i don't know it's just a feeling and then when i do these really long ultras when you're running through the night and you're going for an excess of 15 hours or 20 hours. And when you're living in that moment, it's like, this is awful. <laughs> like I, the exhaustion is all consuming. So it feels like a bad pain, kind of. It then, feels like in the a moment. totally bad pain in the moment. Okay. And you're like, this is terrible. And I have no idea how I'm going to finish. But then the next day and the next day after that, you just get this overwhelming sense of pride. And you, it's almost like, from surviving it yeah and it's like i i feel things really deeply i've always been a very emotional person um and it almost it's like it uses up all my emotions and that the only thing left is stillness and like that stillness is something that i've never achieved through meditation like i've been on 10 day meditation retreats in India where you meditate 12 hours a day. I never found that stillness. But when you go on these trails and you're, you're going through the night and you want to die on the trail and you think, you know, what will happen if I just curl into a ball and just die here right now? Yeah. Um, you just, you like, it takes all of that out of you. You feel all of your feelings and then you have nothing left. And then there's just like that pure you, that stillness. Deep catharsis. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and then you feel cleaner after that. Yeah, you keep saying this thing about clean, which is mm-hmm. so evocative to me, right? Like, yeah, it, it just like scrapes out all that crud that you've accumulated in yourself that, that you come out the other side and you're like, this is me. This is the purest version of myself. Right. So it's, it's, it's like you, a literal purge. Yeah, <laughs> you're, absolutely. You're, That's exactly you know, what it is for me. Yeah. Do you think the running, I mean, we, you've touched on this, but the ADHD, the neurodivergence, like, do you think that's something that that actually supports your running, right? Supports going full bore into this? I think it, it could be potentially because you have like that tendency to hyper focus. So there's definitely, you know, and every ADHD or has a hobby graveyard, right? Of all these things that they got, like they spent a bunch of money on, they got super obsessed with for two weeks and then they just let it go. And and running is the only thing that hasn't gone to that graveyard because I've been able to keep it. So I think there's this level of you you can focus on this one thing. And um, I don't know that it helps. It probably hurts, to be honest, because, you know, you're you do get bored and stuff and you do like not want to. And just the emotional dysregulation that comes with having ADHD is I feel things so deeply. So when I see other people that can run hundred milers and they just kind of like, Oh, I won't think about the pain. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I don't know what that feels like. I'm going to like, my head is going over and over how terrible this is over and over. just going in my head. There's no way I can escape that. So it's just like this constant in my head of how terrible this is and how much it hurts, but it, it just, it sucks all my feelings, my feelings out. So there's nothing left. And, and that, there's power in that for sure. Can I ask a potentially strange question? Absolutely. Those are the best. Okay. Well, yeah, I know you, I know you said taboo is okay, but I cannot help but really see the connection between sexual trauma and the way you describe running. And what I mean by that is a little bit, as we discussed with BDSM, like you get to experience hard things or painful things, but rewrite the outcome. And there's like a sublimation, a a rewiring of neurological pathways to have like a positive and safe and good result. Yeah. And I wonder like if we have this trifecta and you add the marathon ultra running, ultra marathon running into it, because it sounds like living this this loop of this is fucking terrible. This is terrible. This is terrible. Yeah. But in the end, you're also proving that you are... inconceivably strong and then you survive it and it is this insane accomplishment absolutely and it's like i always there's like that camaraderie of suffering too that you get with ultra running that you don't get by surviving sexual trauma like Mm. there's when you're on the trail everybody that you talk to is raw and vulnerable and crying is encouraged and even if you don't know them, they're going to tell you their life story, whether it's battling addiction or an autoimmune disease, like they battled something really hard to be there and they're going to talk about it. And the fact that there's just this air of camaraderie where we can talk about our struggles and we can struggle together where I've only ever suffered alone. So yeah, there's definitely that parallel because it's, I'm no longer suffering alone. I'm suffering with people that get it, that have suffered. And when I'm done, you know, there is, I'm sure this, there's some of us 
even if whoever doesn't want to admit that, oh, they don't care about the attention on social media when everybody's giving you all these accolades, like saying you're amazing. It's like, this is just me. Like I've been doing this the whole time. I always thought that I was cool, but no one else cared that I was cool until I started running long distances. So I think that just like acceptance, like we we grab onto that acceptance. It's like, you know, you went through something hard and you're amazing for it and I love you. But the other things, you know, addiction or or sexual assault or childhood trauma, there's not a lot of people that are saying you're amazing for winning this battle. Yeah. So I think that's why so many people that are into ultra running come from these really like these big struggles because they've had to do it alone and they there was no fanfare at the end but now yeah. suddenly it's hey you struggled and you're amazing and we see that so yeah it's a sense of community that you get uh yeah, absolutely. in running that 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 is you know is present or looked down upon in, in survivors of of sexual yeah assault. and i think yeah. it's so sad that we don't have enough safe spaces to talk about mm. these things because it's really lonely and and yeah, you feel that shame if you can't bring it up. And then just connecting it, you know, one of the things that has stood out to Tony and I so much in, in the beginning of this journey into BDSM and kink is what a strong community that is in and of itself, mm-hmm. too, in a way that I just had no idea what a nurturing, kind, supportive community it really is. And trusting. And trusting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And protective, protective mm-hmm. of one another, because it is can be taboo and it can be misunderstood and misrepresented and deeply judged. So they're cautious. Everyone's cautious, which they should be, but also incredibly generous. Sure. I think there are a lot of parallels to the ultra running community and the BDSM community that most people don't see um, because I I think we just all want that safe space where we feel connected and loved and trust. Um, And there's, we don't have that in our society now. We're so like separate, you know, we're not living in these big communal places and these tribes that you just feel so kind of alone and isolated and going through your struggles. So I think as humans, we seek out those spaces. Would you ever visit a professional dom or would you ever delve in? I went to um, a, p- a party last mm. week. Yeah. Jesus. Was it last week? Uh, yes, I did. Mm-hmm. It was a lot to handle. I'm not going to lie sure. to you. But there were great parts. There were parts where I was like, oh, I'm wholly unprepared for this. But anyway, not about me, about you. Oh, I think I would. Have you, yeah. Have I you ever or would you? I, I think I would. I think the hardest part is that, like, I, I need there to be an emotional connection. You know, yeah. um, I want... For me, it's I've dated people that when I first saw them, I wasn't attracted to them because their personality made me love them. Yeah, yeah but that's interesting needing the emotional connection, Bregan, because, yeah, I will say that that the party, you were witnessing some people in pairs, subs and doms who were doing scenes in front of you. So clearly they had a connection, right? They They were actually in a relationship. But for the most part, it was like, an exploration if you wanted to try flogging or you wanted to try being tied up and then also these people that you had nothing to do with who were basically in scenes having sex. And so, yeah, there was no room for you to have any sort of emotional interaction. And I feel like I spent a lot of time trying to I haven't even told Tony about any of this yet, but but, yeah, but, but yeah, make, this is all new. make myself look and feel calm 
And therefore, yeah. and this is actually, Regan, like totally, I think I'm finding the words because of the conversation we're having, like actually doing the wrong thing, which was like trying to push down and dull emotions such that the next day I had a lot of emotions about it. And I was like, well, that seems a little bit wrong that you sort of were in this space trying really hard to not feel anything. And then now you're feeling everything the day after. Well, I think that, you know, we're just conditioned by society to like dampen our emotions and to mm-hmm. not like show them and men, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just don't feel comfortable expressing that in the moment. And it's so sad because like, that's what all humans want. We want that emotional connection. So, um, so I think I would, I would, I'm sure I would love to try that, uh, to go to the a party, but you know, I think those experiences aren't as meaningful if you don't have that love for a person and that Mm -hmm. trust. Like I fully trust and love the person that is doing this to me. I mean, I'm sure there's exceptions to that. Some people just like, they just want to get flogged, right? They just need it. That's not me. (laughs) Yeah. They need a good flog. You know, I I think I'm with you, Brigham on that. And, and something I'm, I was wondering too, if you were to go to, to a professional Dom someday, um, does gender matter? Mm. Um, I would say yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. because I've found recently through experiences when it comes to men, I like to be dominated. But when it comes to women, I like to be the one dominating. So uh, I don't know what kind of uh, childhood trauma led to that. Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> Like issues with my mother, I'm sure, <laughs> <laughs> as with every teenage girl. But yeah, but yeah when, it, when it comes to women, I found that I like to be the dominant one. So, nice. so yeah, gender would matter for sure. It's interesting. And how do you, uh, how would you dominate them? It's sort of the same, um, uh, what do they call a rope, a rope bunny? Would, rope bunny. Would you, would you make yeah, your partner a sure. rope bunny? I, if they were comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. But I of actually, um, in a, a recent experience um, with my, my best friend and her boyfriend, uh, I really enjoyed the aspect of shaming the man in the situation that like, I can, you know, I can get your girl off. Like you've never made your girl come, but I can, you know, mm-hmm. um, that, that was also empowering to, you know, it's funny because I love to be dominated by men, but in that moment, like dominating and shaming a man is exactly what I liked and wanted. Hmm. And he, what did he like it? I mean, I, what guy doesn't like being with two uh, women, you well, know, yeah, exactly. so, <laughs> uh, right. cause I almost felt, you know, the, the need to like apologize the next day. Like, I'm sorry. I was talking so much shit, you know? <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I think, um, I think there are a lot of guys out there that like when women take that dominating role for sure. So, um, so I think that, that, yeah, a lot of guys probably do like that. I mean, or other, if you're not, uh, like a type a, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. like, don't tell me I'm bad at something and shame me. Yeah, totally. What piece of advice would you give? I, I, I'm just thinking of, again, this, this trifecta of running kink and sexual assault, but what's a piece of advice you would give someone wanting to become a ultra marathon runner? Number one. Well, that is just, you know, get out, get out the door and forgive yourself and, and slow down. Like there's so many days where it's almost all walking and that is totally fine. Um, you don't need to go. It's, 
as long as you just like kind of get out there, there's days, there's lots and lots and lots of days where you're like, this fucking sucks and I want to stop, but you just keep moving. And there's a metaphor in itself right there. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't always feel good. Like, don't think that if it doesn't come easy to you, that this isn't for you because I fought hard for every mile. There were very few days where I went out for a run and everything clicked and, and my body felt good. And, and I was just going like, I have to fight my mind telling me to stop and telling me like, this is dumb. Slow down every single time I go out for a run. So don't think that it's not for you just because it's hard. And eventually you get to this point where it does feel good. And there's so much power in that movement where you just feel like this primal connection to the land beneath your feet. And you're spending all this time, if you're trail running especially, you're spending all this time out in the woods and you're kind of just... Scientifically proven that being outside is good for your psychology. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah so you just have all this time to like process all your thoughts and feelings and, and you end it with this thing of pride. Like I went out there and I got it. Yeah. Okay. Number two, piece of advice for someone starting to experiment with kink and BDSM in their relationship. Any piece of advice? Sure. I mean, I think you just always have to be honest and open and and comfortable asking for what you want because i think especially as young women like we're not we don't really feel empowered to say i like this or i like that and like if a dude is like jackhammering you like because he saw it in porn and you're just like i don't like that you don't feel comfortable saying no you know i don't know that there's any way to to get that confidence without slowly building it because it does take time for you to say actually no i yeah, like, no, I don't like that. And as you know, young women, we're just like conditioned to take it. Yeah. And that sucks. Like, take I didn't even take it and pretend you like it. Because exactly. it's all play acting. Exactly. I don't even think I didn't have an orgasm during sex until I was like mid 20s. Like, mm-hmm. so there were many men that I was with that it, it was about them. Yeah, right. Or being okay with being with guys that don't want to go down on you. <laughs> like, that's yeah. ridiculous in this yeah. day and age. You know, it should be mutual. And if not, then that is not the guy for you. That is not the partner for you. That's not the girl for you. If you can't have these open conversations, that is not the person for you. Yeah, that's a good point. And I, but I got to say too, that that's a can of worms too, uh, that you mentioned about, uh, men who learn, uh, sex through watching pornography. True. How awful. And that's right? all I want to say. That's they all I want to say. They that. think yeah. that they could do butt stuff without lube, yeah. and that you, Except, yes. you, you should, your hand should be a jackhammer. Yeah. Don't just yeah. stick a thumb up my asshole. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, third advice for people who have been through sexual assault. That's really hard because it's so personal, and yeah. I just think the most healing thing for me has been to talk about it. Um, you know the. Like kind of like the main guy that traumatized me in in my childhood was this guy that I met him when I was 13. He was he was 29 when we met, but you know I quickly turned 14. He turned 30. It doesn't really matter. It's pretty yeah. much the same. And I was with him for over a year, and um, my my mom found out about us, and he 
she called the police and he got arrested. But I, I lied to protect him for a long time. Um, but after a while, like the gaslighting got more intense. Like I was under the spell that nobody could break me from but me. And then finally, when that spell wore off and I was ready to tell the truth and I had to meet with the prosecutor um, and I testified in court and he went to prison. Wow. Um, these, I, I buried that. Like I didn't think about it for years and years and years. I mean, I am, I'm 28 now and I'm just, uh, like I've been writing my, like my memoir, my experience, and it's been so healing for me to just talk about it, to talk about what happened and to have people accept it. Um, and even if they don't, just just getting it out, not burying it, talking about this darkness, shining a light on that, getting it out of you because it's it's stuck in there. Even if you don't want to look at it and don't you pretend that it's not there, it's inside of you. Just you need to find the safe space where you can talk about it. It's so freeing. And I think that's the biggest part. Yeah. Finding- that's great places to express it and talk about it. I, it's, yeah. it's, it's, oh yeah, God, that's so important. Regan, I think you said this before about something different, but it's like, it seems really simple, but it is incredibly complicated, right? Mm-hmm. In its simplicity, it is so hard. Yeah. Because it, it will never not be scary, right? Like, I mean, I'll, I'll just say it now. Bregan knows this from talking to me earlier today. Tony, you don't know this, but mm-hmm. I, I, I have a family member who was sexually assaulted for mm. quite a while as a young person. Um, and it, it's not me, but I was there also as a young per- person experiencing that and then experiencing Bregan, much like you said, trying to prosecute this couple, actually, <laughs> um, that were our neighbors, this couple, mm. and not successfully getting to prosecute them. And, you know, there's details there. And, and I don't think I ever got comfortable talking about it you know and I had therapy and and my parents are very open accepting people but there's something every time that I tell someone about it and that I I am so afraid and I don't and I don't know why right it's not even I mean of course it's my trauma because I was a witness to the trauma but it's not my trauma but there's something that you've said Bregan like that really touches something in me because what 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 is that shame you know cuz i'm 30 i'm 36 and i still i like to think of it as a closed chapter even my best friends i forget whether i've told them or not like truly like truly my two best friends one of them i'm like christ have i told her i've known her for 15 years i don't know that i've ever told her and so yeah it's it's that darkness deep inside that you just don't want to talk about for fear i don't know for fear that someone will judge you, for fear that someone will think you're trauma dumping on them, for fear that someone will not understand. It's, yeah, it's a powerful, powerful darkness for sure. I think we just want to feel like we've gotten over it. We don't want to give power to those people that mm. that did this. And so ad- admitting that it still affects us is almost like admitting that we're weak and we don't want to admit that we're weak, that it's yeah. still you know, affects how we are in our relationships or how we are when it comes to trust. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. And I think, I mean, just thank you because Mm -hmm. I think for me, you know, go, uh, 
looking at your story, yeah, something was touched off of me. And I was like, oh God, I don't know. I don't know where this lands in me at this point in my life, you know? Still a yeah. lot to look at. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I think that fear of, of being judged is, is a real fear. Yeah. Uh, it's, and, and, and it, it, it's, it's just, it fucking blows my mind that if someone were to share something so deep and so personal that your first reaction would be, well, something's wrong with you or, oh, I can't believe, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's a, I, I don't know what it is. I mean, I guess we sort of alluded to it. It's a cultural thing. It's a society Running away thing. from pain. It's running, running away, away from, from pain. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's, it's just, I don't know. I just, I find it appalling. Or not, or not understanding, right? This fear of not, not being understood and not that someone should understand it, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I can't possibly understand, Bregan, what you've been through and, and mm-hmm. someone who hasn't been what I've been through can't possibly understand that. But then this, this fear of like, oh, or then are you going to look at me like a leper because you don't, mm-hmm. right? You don't get it, and therefore like, it's I don't want you. your pity. Exactly, you know? I, I just want to be heard. I want to be seen. I want yeah. you to understand maybe why I react strangely to something unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. Um, or, and and also maybe, and I don't know if you feel this way, but maybe too this like really hard paradox of I don't really want to share this because then you'll see all of me, but then without sharing it you really don't know all of me you know you I, I, it's like i don't Absolutely. want that chapter that chapter doesn't define me it doesn't really have anything to do with me it happened ages ago and it's like but at the same time does someone really know you if they don't know that part of your life it's a pretty big part of your life even if it happened yeah 30 years ago you i mean so much of society we feel like we have to hide ourselves we feel like we have to mask all these parts of ourselves mm-hmm. so that people like and accept us and we think if they see this darkness they won't accept us but I think the more that we that we share that and and we be honest and candid and open about this darkness, then we all see that everybody is carrying some kind of darkness, and it doesn't make sense to hide it. We, there's there's that feeling of connection when we're honest about it. It connects us to people. So I just I hope we see more of that where people feel safe being honest about these things. Yeah, I mean, it's part, right? It's part of the thing that I'm loving most about the BDSM community is, yeah. is a safe space to explore pain and and express desire or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's okay. I'm not judged. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's beautiful. Uh, before we before we finish up here, um, Brigham, what does your running future hold? Do you have anything mm. coming up? Yeah. Um, I am well, training for another 100 miler because I'm... <laughs> apparently a <laughs> for punishment. <laughs> I forgot. Yeah. And a, a buddy of mine got into Western States, which is uh, like the oldest hundred miler in the country. It's like the Boston marathon of ultras. It? It's in it's California. In West- yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, in, uh, it's in the Western States. It finishes, <laughs> yeah. It starts at Squaw Valley, California. And then you run down um, to Auburn and it's like where the best of the best go to compete. It's, it's very difficult to get in. His odds were like 1%. Wow. And he got in. So I'll be going there with him. And I'm just really excited to to see that community. When is that? That's in June. And then my 100 is in July. So after that, I'm not sure. But I don't know. There's just, you know, this part of you that wants more. <laughs> Probably the same part of the people that are into BDSM and they want more and they keep going back, even though there's pain in there because it's, it's good pain. It's, it's pain that has a purpose. It doesn't just take, it gives. Mm. And there's a healing in that. 
There's an empowerment in that. There's a camaraderie in that suffering when so much of our suffering is done internally by ourselves. And and I think that's what keeps us going back for more. Well, I just want to say that we will be, if you don't mind, we will be shouting you out on our social media oh comes God, June yes. or July when you are doing those things and hopefully sharing yeah. whatever you're posting because Absolutely. that's going to be exciting hopefully to follow. My, um, I've, I've been loving like writing my book. Like I Yeah, will you tell from- us? About yeah. just a little bit about that so that also if I know you're yeah. self-publishing I, where people can find that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, part of me like feels like I need to wait a few months for like life to happen. So I have a better resolution, you know, like I finished this hundred miler. I, you know, finally make it on my own and get out of this marriage that I talk about. Um, so, but it's also stands on its own right now. So I could publish it now, but part of me wants like a better, happier ending, but like, mm. I mean, not that that really exists in real life. So I I decided on the name Leaving Trauma on the Trail because that's kind of what has been my journey for me is all this trauma, just like leaving it there, like getting it out, getting that's it out. That's a wonderful title. And um, so, yeah, I'll just be self-publishing. I know I'll be doing it by this summer, if not earlier, if I decide that I don't need to uh, give a happy ending that's like filled with hope and you can do it too. But like... <laughs> The reality is it's not that simple, right? It's not just you're going from A to B. Like, it's an entire journey. Yeah. Um, but that so. being said, look perhaps on your Instagram, which is yeah, run pizza it. beer. That's right. For leaving trauma on the trail when yeah. it is self-published. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And I'm, I will definitely be uh, encouraging everybody because, you know. Running is expensive. These shoes cost like $150. Like I need to make the money. Like yeah. <laughs> buy the book. Like everyone buy in my book, family everyone. is buying 10 box, 10 copies, you know. <laughs> this has been lovely. And um, shall we uh, dive Go into, into the dungeon? The dungeon? Yeah. We're yeah. Taking you into the dungeon, my friend. We'll take you into the dungeon. All right. Uh, yeah. So the uh, we ask all of our guests the same five questions. And these are deep, soul-searching questions that uh that uh, uh we are just curious to know your thoughts on okay and the first question Bregan, is cats or dogs mm, sorry but cats i'm gonna go cat because you know ah. what here's another thing is they don't take from you you don't have to worry about who's gonna watch them all weekend mm-hmm. you don't have to feel guilty for working a double you just come home and they're ready to give you snuggles and you don't it's like you could have worked 16 hours you come home and you don't have to take them for an hour walk. They just want cuddles. And that's, that's all true. you want. So yeah. for me, unless you own a farm, <laughs> cat, you know, right. cat. I, I approve that answer. I love it. Uh, what's your favorite ice cream flavor? You know, most of the time I'm going to go simple, like a really good vanilla. Wow. Because like just simple, really a really good, fresh, locally made vanilla ice cream. It's beautiful in its simplicity. She doesn't like vanilla sex, folks, but damn, will she get down on some right? vanilla ice cream. Oh, Just yeah. Just simplicity. Well, you know, yeah. I want vanilla ice cream. I don't want missionary position. Look. You know? Yeah, <laughs> right. obviously. I mean. That's what I said that at McConnell's the other day, and they looked at me weird. Too. <laughs> uh, but also, I agree. A good vanilla bean, that's worth a 100-mile run. Yeah, I, I think exactly. Yeah. yeah. Some really good vanilla bean. There you go. Yeah. All right. The next question is, would you rather be in heaven with your enemies or in hell with your friends? Gosh, I'm going to say hell, but it also is like, well, what does that look like? Heaven yeah. for me with my enemies might, you know, be hell? I would, 
Yeah. Like, but I don't, honestly, I don't hold any ill will, you know, I, in writing my book, I, I spoke to, I had this feeling, like, I just had this, I needed to talk to this man that I sent to prison and I did, I found his phone number and I reached out to him this week um, oh. and spoke to him. Yeah. 15 years later, because I just had it in my head. Like, I don't think I'll get closure unless I have this, you know, conversation with him. And so I don't, I have no, like, I had no wish to watch him suffer or anything like that. And it was super weird because talking to him, he was like, yeah, like, I still love you. And I'm not mad that you sent me to prison. And like, Wow. Yeah, it was so weird. I'm like, dude, it's been 14 years. Like, I don't, I don't love you. Like, what yeah. is going on? Yeah. Did you get like, closure? I don't. I mean, maybe like my ego was stroked, I guess, to know that I still had control over him. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it was just really bizarre that people can just kind of be stuck in that place. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and nothing seemingly can shake them from their reality. Yeah. So, and I don't, I don't wish ill will on him or or anybody that's wronged me. So, I. You know, heaven with my enemies might mean knowing that they learned and grew from their actions. And that might be good, too. All right. So 50-50, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. It's a tough one, right? Yeah. Okay, here's another thoughtful. Here's another one. What is something that really scared you before you did it, but now you're glad you did? Running every ultra marathon that I've ever done or any social setting, because I get really nervous. You know, I get anxious because I know that I'm like this just emotional person and I have all these thoughts that are hard to express and it's hard to connect with people but every ultra I run I am shaking as I put on my socks as I you know get my shoes like I'm literally shaking and that's why I usually do like a little bit of whiskey to not get back to to calm down but yeah every all of those things I did I, I was terrified every time I go out and hike in the mountains and I'm by myself I'm terrified. I sometimes cry. There's like no one else in the parking lot. I'm probably like a little bit scared and I'm crying thinking like I'm out there. There's bears out there and all that stuff. But just doing it anyway, you know, I'm always glad that I did. But yeah, yeah, that I'm not going out there with this fearlessness that other people seem to have. Oh, wow. And our our last question is, what is the best compliment you've ever received? This was a long time ago, but I was like maybe 16. And this one guy said, because of you, I'm nicer to people now. You know, so just the fact that I could inspire somebody else to be more kind. um, I think that's the best compliment that I've gotten. That's an impact. That's a tangible impact. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I still remember it like 12 years later, just yeah. because of you. I'm, I'm nicer to people now because you're so nice to people. So Love it's that. nice to know that you could just just create a little bit of good, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, just, Brigan, thank you for coming on. I think you're creating yeah. a lot of good. Thank you for for speaking about so many things with, you know. No, thanks Open, for having openness me. and light. And I know oh. I feel like I could talk about it for six hours. So, <laughs> yeah, it's it, it, it's it's been it's been so it's so wonderful to hear what you have to say. And I, I yeah, I I'm sure I speak for everybody when I say uh, you know we appreciate your openness and you're willing to share. And I've certainly have I, I feel like you know a, a better understanding of of these kinds of situations. And you know, obviously it's it's personal to you, but I just, I can't thank you enough. I've, I've, it's been a wonderful, wonderful hour. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate you having me so much. It's been great. 
So that was Bregan. That was Bregan. I was scared shitless. <laughs> I, because of my yeah. own stuff, which, which you know, I touched on. But I was, I was, yeah, I was scared. Yeah, I, I mean, I understand that. I, I totally understand that. Uh, I, 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 I was really comforted by her, the the openness with which she was able to share all of that information. Um, I, I it, it felt, I mean, clearly, I mean, clearly painful, but at the same time, I felt like I, I was watching someone manage it and cope with it and find outlets for it in the best way that she could. And it just, mm-hmm. it, it made me feel like, ah, you know what? We, we can, we can do it. We can overcome these things. Yeah. I, we we I, are yeah. capable as yes. humans of incredible things. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, and that's, that's, you know, not something I thought I would, I would feel when, 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 you know, talking with people here, I, I, I wouldn't, you know, I mean, obviously everybody we've met has been wonderful and fabulous, but to come away going, you know what? We're, we're, we're going to, we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. Which is really hard to feel right now. We're going to be okay. Tony, what's going to happen if we have an asshole on the podcast? Everyone has been so delightful. That's well, that's right. I, I, (laughs) I can, (laughs) we'll see. It'll be the best acting I've ever done. Probably. Yeah. Um, and by the way, she used, when she was talking about running, she used the expression, the earth beneath my feet. Yes. And the wind uh, beneath my wings. That's, I started singing it in my brain. (laughs) Sing it right now. Yeah. What is it? I don't know. Are we going to get sued if we sing it? No. It's okay. I, I know, I know Bette Midler, so I can. Okay. Yeah. I'll, right, I'll right. get her permission. Okay, great. Just call her up. Yeah. I'll just give her a ring. I'll just give her a ring. <laughs> no, I'm just fixated on the starting note. Anyway, let's move yeah. past that. Now let's move past that. Rope bunny. That's a new one I haven't heard. Rope bunny. Let's add that to our uh, imaginary dictionary. Love of that. BSM Rope terms. bunnies. That's right. Makes have... it seem really cute and approachable. It does. Yeah. I have dust bunnies. I have dust bunnies in my apartment, but not real bunnies. We all have bunnies. dust bunnies. We do have. A, you like Hassan Pfeffer? Is Hassan Pfeffer rabbit? Do you eat Hassan. rabbit? Have you ever eaten rabbit? Have you ever eaten rabbit? I have had before? rabbit. Yes, I have. Okay, have I've, I've had it. I have it. I've had it once. It's good. Yeah, I clearly didn't leave an impression on me though. <laughs> but now that I think uh, about it, it was tied up. That's true. Yeah, you know what they little tie it with a little twine thing. Yeah, they do that with duck. Here's the thing for me. I cannot imagine the level of pain of that kind of running. I mean, when I go to the gym, it hurts and Mm -hmm. I flirt with that hurt and then I'm over it. Mm -hmm. So to live in that kind of pain, that's incredible. And I do, I do believe that takes a certain, a certain human. Maybe we're all capable of it if, if necessary, you know, put us on an island, see how we do. Yeah. But. I, I am in awe of someone who can who can constantly live in that space. Right. I mean, certainly, I mean, that I think, you know, when when the stakes are raised and when maybe even your very survival is at stake. Um, yeah, I think the, the 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 you know, the body can adjust and, and it is it's it really is about chasing the you know, she she mentioned about the. You know, because we all heard about the runner's high and that sort of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, construct and cliche. But yeah, that um, I, thing. Yeah, that that thing. Yeah, please. <laughs> I just, you know, I'll just eat an edible if I want to get it high. Yeah. But um, I actually, mom, I don't do that. Uh, the um, <laughs> mom, I do do that. Yeah. Uh, but I love that she said that that uh, 
what really gets her going is the pride she feels the day after. Yeah. And yeah. Leads me to ask you, what would you run a hundred miles for? Uh, I would run a hundred miles to sign a legal document that said I'd never have to run a hundred miles again. That's probably what I do. Okay. I mean, God, a hundred miles. What would I run a hundred miles for? I'd walk a hundred miles in a, in a heartbeat. Just for fun? I think so. All right. Well, I think so. But running? No, please. If well, she above, said you could walk 70 of the, of the hundred miles. So, but then, then there's this crazy thing of having to run 30. Couldn't do that. <laughs> okay. Couldn't do that. But I, I could, I could, I could easily walk it. Let me rephrase well, that. Let me rephrase that. I, I could, <laughs> I might be able to walk it. All right. Well, you know, maybe yeah. third season, you'll yeah. walk the country. You'll walk the Western States and tell the tale. Yeah. And then we're changing the name of the podcast from good pain to give me a change of underwear place. <laughs> It's the wind uh, beneath my wings. It's it is the wind beneath my wings and the feces beneath my my underwear. My underwear. <laughs> um where's our peabody? So I'll tell you what, uh I'll tell you what folks. It's coming after we run a hundred fucking miles, Tony. That's right, exactly. Exactly. Um ah, you know, the past uh, we all know. Look, we've been we've been through some things, some people more than others. The past few years have been awful we know that but uh if we've learned anything today we've learned that not all pain is bad sometimes it's good i'm tony i'm kiara and you've been listening to good pain see you next time folks bye-bye goodbye <laughs>